Voice Memos podcast with Jen and Myron. Hey, welcome to Voice Memos. I am Myron Clifton and my co-host is Jennifer. So Jennifer is a wonderful lady. She's originally from Wisconsin, now in California, flaming redhead with a beautiful big old dog named Mojito that I call Beast. She's a great sister, daughter, and a great friend. And uh, she is my co-host. Hey, Jennifer. Hello, hello. So nice that we're recording this because I get to save this and hear this over and over again, the compliments that you gave me. So I lied. <laughs> this is my friend and probably my bestest friend. I've known Myron over 20 years. He is a published author. He is an amazing writer, highly intelligent. And one thing that I can really tell you about him that stands out is how he raises his daughter, Leah. Yeah, pretty clear. It's good to be back. And um, I love my warm welcome of the middle finger. So thank you. Brings me back to what I used to do to you when we worked at Verizon and you had that stupid three o'clock fucking huddle every day. Hey, party time, party time. <laughs> so, so welcome back. Uh, so Jen, everybody you know, was out last week and, you know, I had a series of replacement co-hosts Replacement co-host, we ran through a lot of people, Beyonce, Shakira, Gal Gadot, uh, my Dolly girlfriend, Pardon. Dolly Parton, <laughs> that's right, you know, we had, uh, yeah, a lot of people, but, and my girlfriend, uh, Eliane Rodriguez, but, I mean, really, even though she was great, you know, this is our podcast, she has two of her own, she can stay in her own lane. Yeah, she don't need to be all greedy and shit. <laughs> 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 and you know what? Let's clear up something from why I didn't do the podcast last week. So San Diego set the stage. It is a beautiful home that is on the beach. Well, not directly. It's about two blocks from either the bay side of the ocean or the ocean. And wow. we filled it up with food and tequila and vodka and we were all sitting around biking wow. that morning and our friend Peg slash Marg just enjoyed in the spirits a little bit more than others. And she was going to be <laughs> on our podcast. I was not the drunk one. So in order to save face with my wonderful audience and my best friend, Myron, I thought it in everyone's best interest that I didn't allow you to hear how Margaret was talking. <laughs> <laughs> I love that girl, but ooh, it was hard for me to understand. And I was in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. So thanks for clarifying that, that um, Margaret, um, it wasn't her birthday, but it's around her birthday. Yes, it was for her 50th. I don't care if she tell if I tell everybody, but her 50th yeah. is August 12th. And wow. so she picked this week because her daughter's birthday, who turned 12, was yesterday. So yeah. it was like the best time for her brother and her sister-in-law and her best friend Darcy and then myself. So really was it, it just and getting the house because one of her clients owns the house and um <laughs> Don't think I didn't check how much that house was on Zillow either. I bet that house in San Diego is damn expensive. 
Uh, sir, we went to, we did so much stuff. Um, yeah. yeah what, were the highlights? Now, what was the highlights of your trip there? Besides uh, Margaret being uh, fully <laughs> in the spirits, as the drinkers call it. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It was towards the last day. I mean, we were on the sun. I worked out. We biked. Yeah. We paddleboarded. We kayaked. Um, we went to this, we went on this trolley that takes you through San Diego and it, I didn't realize that it was a guided tour. So it takes you through with multiple stops. You can get off anywhere. You can go to Balboa park. You can go to little Italy. You can go to the gas lamp. You can go, um, to Coronado Island, which is where we ended up going. We started, we got off at one destination, had a couple margaritas at a place called La Puerta, and then got on there and went to Coronado Island. And there, talk about housing, one little shack, I think it was like a two bedroom, one bath was 3.3 million. Oh yeah, Coronado Island is insane. insane. I had a margarita at the hotel there. It was $22. Or Margarita at the Hotel Coronado. $22. You know what? So not only is that insane, but um, let me just add in that when I was working for that Verizon company and just making a shitload of money, I once stayed a week at that hotel. Shut the front door. <laughs> I stayed a week at that hotel. And you know what? I don't remember how much it costs like now because that's been, I don't know, 15 years or something, but I remember even then thinking this is way too expensive and I could afford it then. Like I couldn't afford that stuff now, but yeah, it's in the pricing in San Diego or anywhere in other areas is just insane. 500. I think we saw, we looked it up as like $504 a night. And I think that was Ooh. just the weekdays. That's I mean, I, it's incredible to think about, you know, on the tour, they give you all this, who bought the land, who brought the land, who bought it from, gave it as a wedding gift. So it was really cool to have that side of it. And I also really appreciate it. So I, many of my folks, I have very few friends. I have two girlfriends that are also vegan. Most of the people I hang out with are not vegan. And what I really valued and appreciated on this trip was that I suggested we we did Costco shopping with Instacart. We did um, Sprouts and we had all the food delivered and everyone <laughs> ate what I made. So with the exception of they bought some eggs, I think. And then um, Margaret's husband got some whipping cream because he really liked that for his coffee. Outside of that, if I made dinner, it was all vegan and they loved it. So I was so appreciative of the fact that I was that I was with people that said, I'll eat whatever you make. They were they had no regard to what was made as long as it was good. So I really appreciated that. That was really nice. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, how was the, did you guys, how was the, um, do you guys do any nightlife kind of stuff? Like how was that? No, no, nothing. We were, I think all, most of us were back in bed at nine because I was getting up at 6 a.m. or so to do my daily walks. So I still, I walk, I wanted to walk along the beach every morning, which was, which was pretty amazing. It was quiet and just here in the ocean. Most of us were in bed by like 9 30 because we got up early to do some stuff. So no nightlife. I do think that Margaret would have liked to done one night now reflecting back on it, but you know what? It's an hour and five minute flight. It's close. It's something, if you have the opportunity to do it, we can do it again for sure. That's nice. And um, let me just say for our audience that Though you may be one of those people that exercise while on vacation, like that is not me. Like, what the <laughs> heck? 
<laughs> I know, you know, I find it normal. Like, I'm like, why wouldn't you get up and do that? You're on vacation. Nothing's holding you back. And most uh, people are like, bitch, you're supposed to sleep in and eat everything and drink everything. I was like, oh, like I don't drink, but if on a beach type vacation, I mean, I would get up early to just go because I like the I like the beach in the morning weather and everything, you know, so I would do that. But I'm not like I'm not walking. I will walk to the beach and sit my ass down. Let me see if people run back and forth on the beach. I just wish I had a water gun, like just by <laughs> that should be like an acceptable thing to do. <laughs> I'm, you know what? The good thing is, I missed out on a lot of the bullshittery that was happening. Um, you know, over I, I just read your two blogs that you know that you did last week and this week. Um, a lot of great insight there. I, you guys talked about education, and you know, on that when I was listening to the podcast podcast with you and Elian, I received uh, a, a message from my girlfriend Danny, who always listens and. Her and I got to experience the podcast together because I was listening as well. And Danny was talking to me about the education education system in regards to EAD or employee, like maybe you know the acronym. Yes, yes. Um, uh, God, you know what? Elian talks about that all the time because I think she teaches kids with different types of um, either learning disabilities or physical disabilities, something like that. But yes. And how she she had thought and said, you know what? I think they use that um, that title to as an excuse in um, minority cities or school districts to keep kids from advancing or getting out um, and getting a better education. And you reiterated right. that was definitely the case. Yeah, it's, so it's that she's right about that, and also that one of the things that private schools, uh, whether they're religious private schools like Catholic schools or not just Catholic, there are a lot of different religious schools or just private charter schools. One of the things they don't have to do is they don't have to accept any kids that have uh, what are identified as either learning disabilities, speech disabilities, um, uh, different types of uh, mental health disabilities. And so what happens is those schools, they're very selective and they have the right to be because they're private according to our laws. But what happens then they promote their, um, their advertise their uh, wonderful uh, testing scores and things like that. And that's not just private schools, that's also schools in mostly white areas, high income uh, located schools. They push those students off to other schools. and so. Public schools are then rated against private schools and wealthy schools that don't have students with various disabilities, whatever you call them. And it, and it, so it'll look like, well, this school tests higher and better and put more students in college and all this stuff. And these public schools do not. And it's just it's not only is it an unfair comparison, but then as we were talking about, the public schools are underfunded. So but it is a way for people to make themselves feel better. Um, like that old joke, all of our kids are, you know, um, above average. And well, that can't be true. But that's what people like to say. So Danny is she's absolutely right about that. It is something um, I, I missed on that talking about that last week. You remember when I mentioned that when schools were desegregated in Brown versus Board of Education, I think it was in Kansas, that school district, rather than comply with the federal law, they shut down the entire school district. Wow. Like 
that, that it, not just it did, every school in that city shut down. I, it's just, it's, rem, it's remarkable. And then when you see those pictures from the 50s of those, those black kids walking to those um, schools, that one, I can't think of her name, one black kid, she's standing there with, with the, uh, the National Guard had to escort yes. this girl, right? Well, and there were, there were a few other black students in that, in that school. They shut it down. None of those black kids graduated in that school district. None of them. They all had to go other states, other places, because they couldn't go to those schools. And, you know, it's not just schools, but a part of desegregation, um, a big part of that was, was allowing Black people to swim in city pools, right? It was, it was that as well. And so there used to be city pools in almost every city in America. But when the laws changed that allowed Black people to also swim in those pools, most cities got rid of the pools. They just got rid of the pools. And, and what they went to instead was just like the schools going to private schools, they went to private pool clubs. And that still exists today. It's just because they didn't, it's crazy, right? They just didn't want them to be in the same pools and things like that. They would have like um, uh, one day where black kids could be in the city pool. And when you know what they would do after that day, they would drain the pool. Stop it. They would drain the pool. And let me tell you, having worked in the pool industry, as you know, draining a pool and refilling a pool is a lot of work and expenses, but that's what they used to do. And finally, once it was made illegal, most cities just shut down their pools. And you go through the South right now, not all the cities have um, city-sponsored pools. They have private pool clubs that you know you have to pay to be a member of. It's, a, it's the same thing. So yeah, that segregation and you know, that stuff, it was a lot, it was a lot. And there was a lot of outgrowth to that that we still see today. So from charter, charter schools, and I should have mentioned that, that charter schools did not start until schools were desegregated. That's when charter schools started. So the whole charter school movement was a blowback against, uh, for white parents saying, we don't want our kids to go to public schools with these black kids and Mexican kids and Asian kids. Like, we don't want that. So we're going to start our own private schools that the government can have no say so in. And that's where their charter movement started. So it's really interesting you think today that most, I, I, don't, I don't know about most, but I, I think most, but I don't know it. But I think most parents who have their children, white parents who have their children in charter schools, most do not know that those schools are completely born out of what is called white flight, white people moving away and running away from having to deal with um, desegregation. Wow. So that, that same theme would also hold true to the housing industry, I'm assuming, white flight? It's a, yeah, it's the same thing, that, that government-sponsored um, segregation. Um, first of all, you know, that's where you hear that term redlining, where the government, they literally took maps and said, in the real estate industry, which has been racist forever, literally took maps and said, we draw a red line right here, we will help people move into these neighborhoods who are white people, but we'll keep black people out of these neighborhoods. And so those covenants and all that kind of stuff. And the government helped it. And you know how the government helped it? In a lot of ways. But one of the biggest ways the government helped with um, segregation is, and segregation and housing specifically, they built freeways to divide black people from white people. So every freeway in America, um, so not the 2040, 1680, the ones that go north, that, that go east to west in this country, but all those interstate freeways, and um, 
they go right through the heart of black communities and keep black people from white people and from businesses. So if you just look in Sacramento, whether it's Highway 50 or 99, they separate white people from black people. And then with that, what they did with that was they then put public transit on the white people's side. They put the better schools on the white people's side and they put all the businesses on the white people's sides. So now you have all these black people all over the nation. And you can look this up, like there's whole documentaries and theses and there's whole studies on this that shows exactly what happened. Because now you have all these black people in areas where now you don't have businesses where people can easily get to work, right? You don't have a lot of public transportation and you don't have a lot of cities, um, goods and services. Because then the next thing that come from that was, we're going to base goods and services, school funding, and all of that off of tax, the tax base. So now you have people who are poor, who don't have as much tax base because they're renting houses that mostly white people own. So the white people are getting the tax benefits from the houses that the black people live in. And the tax money is then going to keep the white neighborhoods looking good. So what scholars have said is you, you essentially have poor black people, taxes, funding, better white neighborhoods. Oh. And it, it, it is, it is it's, man, you can see all these studies on this. It's called the stealing of generational wealth. That's what that is. So instead of our tax money, so it'd be our income tax and that like that, because we're not, it's the property tax, not ours. So that's the white people paying that, right? But then that money is being siphoned out of the black community and is funding better things in white communities. And that's all because, or uh, greatly because the federal government decided to put all these highways that divided white and black communities and it's still like that today and wow, so that's so they literally had is. someone assess where black neighborhoods are compared to white neighborhoods and assess where the middle how to separate them yes and the real estate office real estate industry then facilitated that so they would not show um, black people homes in white neighborhoods and then um they would they had covenants that say you know first the covenants were just um they're like the old version of homeowners associations saying you can't you can't rent or sell this house to a black person right or a mexican person or they say japanese you you can't do that and then slowly those things were gone but many places still have those covenants when i moved in my in my house it was still in the contract for this neighborhood you couldn't you can't have black people so the cities have been taking that stuff out however it you're looking at you're looking at 70 80 years of that and you can you can just put it on the map. Here's where black people live. Here's where white people live. So you still have in America, ninety percent of white people live exclusively around white people. So and a lot of that is because the way the government designed the neighborhoods, and then the way the real estate markets, uh, the real estate industry then in, reinforced that. And now that's that's not like long ago. The real estate industry just got called on that uh, like a year or two ago. Like stop doing. It. And so anyway, yeah, it just goes. It goes. You know. Everything. That's crazy. I, I remember I had a conversation with a good friend of mine and we were, you know, I, I, when I moved to California, I lived in Vacaville, Fairfield, and then I got a house in what is considered the hood in, um, you know, my area, Del Paso Heights. And I grew up in a hood, I guess, cause you know, my parents weren't wealthy, but I never knew that. Right. I just, because they well. did they did a really good job of sort of hiding that from us, essentially. But they had me at 19. So, you know, you're not rolling in the dough at 19 as a, as a young parent. And I was in Del Paso Heights 
And I remember specifically going to a couple other neighborhoods like North Highlands in this area. And when you talk about businesses separating white from black, what you notice in these hood neighborhoods that I one lived in and then one drove through is that you can find, you can be certain to find two things. One is a banking, like a best West, like a union, get money ahead, you know, give us your paycheck. I'm going to charge you 50% interest or liquor stores and fast food restaurants. Literally, those were the repetitive theme that you could, that I could see from going from Del Paso Heights to Natomas. I don't know where there's a Western Union in Natomas. I don't see one anywhere here, but I can go to the hood and find one on every fucking block. They're awful, huh? Payday, um, those payday payday loans, yes. Uh, it's brutal, and you know, President Clinton tried to rein them in. He did for a while, then then President Bush undid it, and there's been a lot of back and forth. It's just that's just predatory lending, is all it is. You you go cash a pay because banks aren't like you said, banks aren't located where black people live. Yep, and then banks will have minimum amounts. And they, or they could just say, no, we're not, we're not going to let you open an account. So then now you have uh, a, you have a payroll check and you have nowhere to cash it. So you got to go to um, a pay, a paycheck place and they take 10, 20, 30%. Brutal. Brutal. Don't have, you don't have the goods and services. And then you have to travel out of your neighborhood to get groceries, to get, you know, if you can afford to go to the cleaners or whatever, and then that money is being taken out of your neighborhood and it's going to other neighborhoods. And that money is going to the city, right? And the city is giving you in return police officers. Black neighborhoods fund the police officer that over-police them and under-police everybody else. You know what that reminds me of? So just say we heard that Russia sentenced Brittany Griner to 10 years in prison. For her vape pen. For a vape pen. 10 years. 10 years. A vape pen that, you know, whether she had it or not, because you, you don't know what to believe from coming yeah. from that country. It was, it was a tiny, tiny amount. She had lived and played there and had won five championships for the Russian national team for, you know, the last five or seven years or something like that. They gave her actually like nine and a half, 10 years for that. Oh my God, sir. So that just came out today. That just, they just announced it today, 10 years. So the U S is still trying to work with them on some prison release swap kind of deal. But the fact that she got sentenced to that, and you know what? So um, the MAGA people are celebrating and they're celebrating saying, don't smoke weed in another country. That's what you get. Jesus Christ. Now, now, She's, she's being used in this battle between the U.S. and Russia, and she's Black, she's prominent, and she's gay. Like, all those things, yep. you know, is one of the reasons. And you know what? But, you know, people don't like to hear this. We got 400,000 people in jail in this country for weed. In this <laughs> 400,000. For weed. Weed, and maybe some other drugs, but, but at the same time, Ugh. we have thousands of dispensaries that are 99% owned by white people and none of them are in jail. Oh they make, they're making money. 
And we know based on a couple of our podcasts before that 93% or 98% of the prisoners are black male are, are males. I don't know the percentage of black, but yeah. 98% are uh, men. Yeah. Like I look, I've never smoked weed in my life, but I, I know that should not be illegal. No, it's a plant. Right. Nobody's smoking weed and going and shooting up schools and no. churches and supermarkets. Right. Nope. They're not breaking into houses. They're not carjacking. They're not doing it. You know what they're doing? They're buying snacks and sitting on the sofa being lazy. <laughs> exactly. Right. I right. mean, or, or if they're an adult, because, you know, there are adult professional people who go home, like in California, because it's legal. You have your weed. You have you have some some totes or whatever you call it these days. And you just sit and relax and just have a good time. It, it's nothing. It's is. It's no different than having a glass of wine. Yep. You decompress with it. You know, I'm not a, yeah. a weed person either. I, I know that you can, it definitely helps you relax. It calms anxiety. Like there's so much, there's so much, so many studies that are being done of what it does for the mental health and well-being of an individual along tied with, you know, shrooms and stuff like that. So it's, it's incredible to think that we're wasting, you know, that lives are being wasted in prison because, <laughs> You know, prisons are for profit, as we've discussed right. before. Over some weed. I mean, that does. Sir, you yeah. mentioned you mentioned mega. And you know what's funny is that there is a mega group in Texas, and they are called Mothers Against Greg Abbott. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so they are putting out there, especially when it comes to abortion rights or the right to choose what you want to do with your own body, they are putting out ads. They are, I mean, they're using every platform possible and they are, the, they are mothers against Greg Abbott. I, I am proud that women are united and not standing behind that fuck nut, but I am also uh, a little amused that they used mega to, to, you know, I don't know if you heard it or seen any of the ads, but Check them out if you if you get a chance. You know what I um I saw one of the ads and I just I, I just pulled them up uh, online and yeah they have a they have a big a big deal they're a super PAC meaning they can raise money and give it to politicians and they're trying to um, Texas is up for grabs right so the governorship I'm calling it I wrote a blog about it the Southern Blue Wall so you have um uh, Beto O'Rourke going against Greg Abbott Greg Abbott is a horrible governor in Texas. And then you have uh, Ralph Warnock, who's the um, senator, uh, going against um, uh, CTE-enabled guy Herschel Walker in Georgia, plus Stacey Abrams going for governor of Georgia against um, that Kemp guy. And then all the way in the south or to the east, you have Charlie Chris going against Ron Death Santas, Death Satan, they call that guy. So all those, I mean, those are major states that are up uh, for play. And if Democrats can take those governorships and then retain the the um, the senator in Georgia. Uh, that is, those would be major wins. I mean, just major wins for for um, for the Democratic Party and for America. Because look, even with the tied Senate, um, so far in two years, President uh, Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris and the Democrats in the Senate and the House, they've done transformational things. They've signed this trillion dollar uh, infrastructure thing. They put the most uh, confirmed judges um, at this point, and I think maybe the second most in history, and a significant portion of those judges are women, and a significant portion of those women judges are um, black and brown women. And so they've done that. 
they did this whole COVID thing with um, the money, the funding for it, the testing and the free tests at home. They did this gigantic trillion dollar infrastructure thing that we're going to be seeing um, benefits for that for for years. And they did the first two um, significant gun control measures in the last 30 or 40 years. I mean, this is transformational. And and just today, they and plus they're prosecuting this 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 uh, insurrection thing, right? This this these hearings. Plus, the Justice Department is investigating that. And just today, the Justice Department said, "You know what? We have arrested the four cops who killed Breonna Taylor." They arrested. I just saw that they did. There's no convictions yet, of course, but they arrested them. The DOJ got on that, and the FBI. Merrick Garland, they arrested him today. And you know what he said in his press conference? Not only should she still be alive, but those four cops, they got together in a garage right after that, and they got their story together and what they were going to say, and they went out and told that lie. And they got all that worked out. They got arrested today. They got indicted. And you know what? So, look, I'm just saying, because um, we've talked about this before, voting matters. Like you don't get these judges, you don't get that justice department, you don't get infrastructure. Um, people got money sent to them, to them in the mail. Got COVID under control. You got you know gun control. I mean, major things happening because people voted in Democrats. Well, you know, we we also want yes, that's one hundred percent. But there's also. A, a big, you know, Trump's, I, I think it was Robert Rake that I follow. He was talking about the, they took a big step. They nominated um, Christina Cara, Caramo, I think her name was, or Mark Finchman. He was, they were the deniers of the insurrection. And I think they were just elected. They won the Republican nomination uh, for the secretary of state. I think Mark did, Mark Finchman did. And you know what? Wisconsin and Minnesota's nominations are up too, with with Republicans leading the way. Yes, yes. So it's so these midterms, where well, this is August, so there's a bunch more happening this month. Um, uh, there were some just this past week, uh, and uh, some Democrats have won. It's been pretty steady so far, but the, some of the major contests are coming up later this month and into September. Um, Ohio senator, as I was saying, the senator in. Um, Georgia, um, Wisconsin, also uh, Arizona. And right now the Senate is tied 50-50. So there's been a, has to be a lot of negotiating in uh, order to get things passed because you have to have every Democrat agree, but then you need some Republicans to agree. And there are some Democrats who will not agree. Joe Manchin in West Virginia and um, uh, Kristen Sinema in Arizona. They're they're sort of Democrat, but they're really sort of Republican. And so you have to massage these deals to get people, you know, you can't make them as robust as you want because not everybody on your side. And then after you get your own side in order, you got to win some Republicans. Now, the, the benefit is that the vice president um, is the president of the Senate. So if there's a tie 50-50, the vice president then breaks the, breaks the tie. And that's, Kamala Harris. So the, generally, you just got to get the Democrats in line. But that's like herding cats. That's still hard. Because unlike Republicans, Republicans could just say, this is what we're going to do. And essentially, it's going to be, we're going to lower taxes on business, right? And all Republicans will vote for that. It's just in line. But what Democrats have to do is say, 
we're going to do we're going to do infrastructure and as part of infrastructure we're going to make sure that cities and rural areas get broadband because if people have to study and work from home or go to school from home they need internet access and you can't just have it in these major metropolitan hubs like we have you have to have it where black people live you got to have it where um poor neighborhoods are you got to have it out in rural areas so they'll throw that in and republicans will say no we don't want to do that so you have to find ways to do things that will make them say okay we'll we'll let it go it's hard it's hard work but it pays off when you get those things passed and so as i was saying they they have passed historical transformational um legislation in these first two years in a really difficult atmosphere. So if they can win some of those races that you talked about, uh, Wisconsin, Arizona, Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, Georgia, Ohio, then you, if you could get 52 Dems instead of 50, you could pass so many more things in the next in the next couple of years. And you know what? It's looking pretty good. And to your point, man, I, this is why voting matters, because if you get any of those, you know, Trump, what are they like, coonies, if you get them yes. in November, they're, they'll be in charge. Listen, folks, they'll be in charge of the 224 presidential election. They'll be able to like close uh, voting places, polling places. They can count votes. They can certify who won. Like this is all hands on deck, as we used to say, like when call volume was really high in our call center, all hands on deck means supervisors, managers, district managers, directors, they all get on the phones because we are just overloaded. And this is all hands on deck. I'm talking if, 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 if it's tilted to the other side, it'll be fucking chaos. And so please encourage people to get out and vote. Oh my God, please. So he said, Mitch McConnell has already said, you know, if, if Republicans take back control of the house, they're ending all investigations on on the January 6th insurrection. They're not going to let president Biden uh, pass any more legislation for two years. They're going to let him nominate any more judges. They're going to, they won't confirm any more judges that he nominates. They're going to just shut everything down for two years and then try to get a Republican in and start doing their thing. So, you know, a common saying is the two parties are not the same. Like they're not the same. And we saw that with how they responded to the January 6th insurrection. When it happened that day, even Republicans were speaking out on it, saying it was wrong. It was President Trump's fault and blah, blah, blah. And then within like 72 hours, they were saying, oh, no, it's BLM. It it wasn't real. They were tourists. It wasn't that bad. And these people shouldn't go to jail. You know, it just it turned because they're trying to preserve um, themselves. And so to your point, and you can say this almost every election, and it is certainly true right now, this is the most important election of our lifetimes. We have, there's nothing standing between us and fascism or a type of government that is, that is, it's just solely built on white supremacy. There's no other way to say it, that that's all it is. So it's everybody else against that. And so you don't have to love Democrats because voting is not about loving. Voting is about extending rights and protections to people other than yourself. Yep. Right. Think about somebody else. Think about, you know, whether it's children or old people or whether it's unemployed, or whether it's uh, people who have disabilities, or people, 400,000 people sitting in jail for for weed. You got to think about harm reduction, even if it's not for you personally. So 
Yeah. I need somebody that's going to declare a state of emergency when monkeypox is on the rise. I just saw today that the U.S. said, yeah, there's what well, a California did it and New York and a few other states. But I think the federal government said we're declaring monkeypox a state of emergency. That just happened today. I, and I'm sick and tired of people saying, well, it's sexually transmitted. It's similar to AIDS. Listen, folks, it is. If you brush up against somebody and stay brushed up against them and they have monkeypox, if you kiss somebody, hug somebody, if you lay on their bed sheets, their couches, what on the airplane seat, you have a risk. So, I mean, I don't know if I support another lockdown, although part of me does because, man, our business will be busier because people will be at home you know, shopping and shit and buying more lights for their house, but, um, and there won't be as much traffic. And listen, I've already emailed to see if I can get the vaccine. I think there's a limited amount of resources for the vaccine at this moment, but yeah. And you know what? Let me tell you one thing about this. This is going to keep people in, you know why? Because it impacts their looks because the, the pox starts on your face and your hands and those scars don't leave. They are, they start out as pimples, folks. They look like pimples. And if you get multiple of them, I would check it. And the people that I'm watching their stories of having monkeypox, the amount uh -huh. of pain that they're in um, is surpassing anything that they've had. That is so awful. And you know what? I, I read something that said, um, to what you just said, that monkeypox, you could get it from contact to contact. But also, it it lives on services for a couple of days. Yep. So I, go to the hotel and ask for clean yeah. sheets. Yes, clean sheets. Um, um, you know, wipes and stuff like that. I mean, we're going to get to a point where not only are we wearing a mask, we're going to be wearing gloves. Yeah, well, I might start. <laughs> right. I've been thinking at a grocery store now, and I got to get some some fruits and vegetables, and I can't open those goddamn plastic bags. Oh, I hate that because you can't blow on it anymore. Why right? you, you can't like lick your fingers? <laughs> so I try to find some some vegetables that you know how they spray them and they're wet. Like yeah. that one. I'm like, well, I'm wandering around just to open a goddamn plastic bag. <laughs> I had a good, you know, I was thinking about when we were talking about schools, I had a really good debate um on my vacation. And I don't know if necessarily people were against it, but let me tell you something. If I was, here's my percep my perception on schools and homework, okay? If I had children, which is probably the reason why I, I would never have them or don't have them, they would never do a fucking homework in their life. You know why? Because you have my kid for eight hours. If they can't get their job done in eight hours, you're not bringing that shit home to me because now not only do they have to do more work, I have to help them with that. And... And in addition to that, how are they supposed to be kids if they're working 10 hours a day after going to school and coming home and doing two hours of homework? Homework should be done in school. And if it's not, that is not my responsibility. I, you know what? Look, look, you are, you're preaching to the choir. I stopped doing homework in seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> now, What's the point? The only mistake I made with that was telling my teen daughter. Like, I, like <laughs> but she she likes doing it, right? I learned that not doing homework, you know, maybe it made my grade go down, you know, from a B to a C or a C to a D, but it didn't matter. Like, it nope. didn't stop me from going from one grade to the next. It did nope. not matter. And I hold that true now. I 
I am 100% on your side. You know what? You have my kid for these eight hours or however long it is. That's all you get. You do not get to impose your school stuff on my, my kid's home life. Like, nope. get out. Get out of my face with that. Because you know what? When I'm done with work, I don't take work home with me unless I want to, right? But it's not, it's not like if you don't take this home with you and do stuff when you go home, I'm sorry, you're not going to get this. That's bullshittery because yeah. listen, you schedule your time accordingly. They don't need to come home and create some science project that now I have to rush as a parent trying to find shit, helping them build stuff. Now, meanwhile, I'm trying to decompress from my day. My child wants to do sports, maybe learn an instrument. And now they have to do that on top of homework. No, nope, I call I call in the fucking red flag on that. That is a that it should be illegal. It's funny you say that because um, during the COVID time, I think my kid was in. Uh, I think she was maybe in ninth or tenth grade when COVID hit or something. But anyway, so she was working from home, and so I went. I had a meeting with her, a couple of her teachers and the principal, and I said your exact point that look. She's on this computer with you guys all day. And she's isolated. She's already isolated from society. She's isolated from her friends. And she's stuck on this computer with you guys doing this, you know, this school. And then when she's off, you want her to do more work. So now she's at home with her family and you want her to stay isolated to do more work. <laughs> like, no, I told him, no, like, do not get my daughter homework. She's not going to do it. And you know what? You're not going to make her grade go down. So just, if she does it, you give her extra. But if she doesn't do, do it, you don't take anything away. And you know what? I went back and forth to that school, and I don't think it was just me. I think it was happening all over the country. They finally said, okay, yeah, we're not going to hold this against students. Because it was it was stupid. It was, and they knew it was stupid. Yep. So good. I, you know, I I think my nephews, when I said that, they're, maybe they thought they'd want to live with me. Because <laughs> it doesn't do anything. And I guess when you are, when you are, a parent, or maybe you're trying to get into, you know, some colleges and you have to have this degree stuff. I don't think you doing your homework doesn't bring you down that far. You've got some overachievers out there. So be it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all against homework. And I don't know what Ilion would say to that because she probably assigns homework. <laughs> probably does. I don't, I, I've never heard her talk about, well, I have heard her talk about that. And you know what? I remember when, when, when my kid was in, um, elementary school she went to a public school but they taught uh, using the Waldorf method like which is a I don't even get into that but it was a public school and her teacher didn't believe in homework and she didn't give them homework until maybe fifth grade now she had the same teacher first through eighth grade and I don't think she got a homework until fifth grade and you know what that homework was it was like go outside and count stars or I don't know pack the moon <laughs> it was just or you know or over the weekend a picture of some flowers like it was the most nice basic kind of stuff and I love it was, that. yeah it was really nice it was just it was all about being in nature it was like doing being in your natural environment you know this kind of deal but it was no sitting at a table doing you know math or fractions or whatever they do in school these days <laughs> which i never i have a calculator so if i need any of that you know that's it's like, you, right it's like popular there's a popular bee that goes around that it's something like, I forget how it goes, but basically, yeah, and to all the teachers that told me, um, you're not going to be able to walk around with a calculator in your pocket all day, so you need to do this. Well, you were wrong. <laughs> Look at my phone, bitches. <laughs> and, and not only that, now I just got to click twice on the side of my phone and just paper stuff. I ain't got to think of nothing. I don't have to 
balance a checkbook. I get a daily balance from my bank via email. <laughs> you know, I don't even have to calculate tip. They put it right on the receipt. <laughs> 25%. Yeah, teachers, I'm giving you the middle finger for that homework bullshit. My God. Sometimes I'll be thinking, well, maybe I want to do 12%. Now I'm not doing all that math. Here you go, 15%. <laughs> oh, shit. So I, I didn't get this past week... I, I'm almost caught up on most of my shows. I'm really enjoying Blackbird. That's on Apple TV. It's based on a true story. I'm trying to refrain from um, doing any digging of what the characters really look like in real life. Um, there's one more episode left, so I'm super excited about that. It is well done. It is, I mean, Apple TV is coming up like with loot. So Maya, I, we talked about it before, Maya Rudolph. I, I mean, this show is on on point um evil i cannot stress enough how good evil is I get back evil. oh my god i you know when you have the the dynamic of what evil represents the science the psychology and the supernatural all three different perspectives trying to solve something it i mean that alone that concept alone is pretty amazing and when you tie back in really great acting with it it's just fucking superb and then um so you think you can dance as one more um season one more episode left before the finale or the finale is next week so i'm super excited about that and then big brother i have to catch up on yesterday's but big brother is good this season um <laughs> there was a there was a good couple like backdoor issues that happened uh so i'm excited about that and then i started my mom sent me a another apple tv show called um we crashed and that's based on a true story. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I watched uh, the first episode of that. I think I'm in the middle of it. So I, it's not your favorite person, Jared Leto. You're not a big Jared Leto fan. I'm the bad joker. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. And I didn't even realize it was him. I mean, I saw, I knew it because his name was there, but they make him look so much like the real guy, this Israeli gentleman. Um, and Anne Hathaway, of course, she's always good. So I got about 10 minutes okay. left of the first episode. I'm on the fence right now. So okay. okay, I'm right in the middle and I don't, I won't commit too long to something if it's not that great. So I'll keep, okay. I'll, 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 I'll let you know where I stand with that. What are you watching? Okay. So three things, um, like you on Apple TV, um, surfacing. Oh, okay. So I saw the previews for that. It's so, it's so good. So I think I watched um, I think I think they released the first maybe three or four episodes before it goes um to every week, and it's 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 that really beautiful lady. I think she's British. Oh yeah, her name is Gugu Mbatha Raw. She was and, on Game of Thrones. She was the Khaleesi's helper. Yes, her. She's gorgeous and gorgeous. Uh, um, so she is a lady who um. She had a uh, uh, accident. Um, she attempted to unalive herself, as they say on the TikTok, and she lost her some a lot of her memory because of that. And so the show is her trying to recover her memory, and there's a lot of twists and turns. So wow. it's like a mystery kind of deal, mystery drama, but it's, it's very entertaining. So I'm enjoying that. And then I finally started The Old Man, and on Hulu, it's very good. It's very good. It's very good. I think I'm on episode, I want to say three or four. 
So I got some I got some way to go. But um, what's that? What's the old man's name? Uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges is really good as the old man. And um, the supporting cast, the people in the office, especially the lady who he talks to on the phone. I don't want to give any spoilers. Okay. But yes, it's very good. I'm very, I'm enjoying that. And then I watched just today. You got to watch this. Uh, on Netflix, um, a three-part documentary on Woodstock 99. Okay. Okay, so you may not remember this, but they did a wood. Well, there was a Woodstock 94 that just ended up in a big old mud bath because it rained. So yes. they came out to do a Woodstock 99 three days. And it was actually wasn't even in Woodstock, New York. It was like in Rome, New York. And it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> I mean, in every way imaginable. So from, now there are a lot of the top performers, performers, like 40 of them or so. And it leaned towards hard rock, although daytime was something else, but nighttime. And then just like that fire festival, they didn't have the facilities and security and all this stuff. And it just turned into, quite frankly, white guys raging against the machine. And, <laughs> and they burn that shit down. Shut up. I mean, and I remember watching it on TV, like the news stories and stuff, but it's so much worse, you know, 23 years in hindsight. And it just, it's worth watching because it is a full shitstorm. Everything. <laughs> it's just a documentary, like one episode? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's three. It's three parts, and and you and they're interviewing the um, the organizers who are all fucking horrible people, and then the MTV people, and then some of the artists who are performing, but a lot of the workers. And you just see this. You see that uh, two hundred and fifty thousand people, and wow. you see it devolve over the course of three days, and it just it turns into total anarchy. I mean, just unbelievable unbelievable it's not it, it is worth it is worth watching so that's on um that's on netflix right now that just came out a couple of days ago wow okay i'll keep it i'll put that on my little radar and so the old man you know my mom talked about that and i think one of my co-workers also mentioned it and i started it and then went on vacation so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna hunker back down in that until some of my other shows come back for their second and third seasons yeah, it's really tense and you start to find out like you know what's it all about and everything but it's it's well acted has good pace and um uh it's good like i'm enjoying it. i'm probably halfway through but you know what I, I totally enjoy it um yeah so it's good to hang out and what are you doing this weekend this weekend i'm gonna go get a little mani pedicure and um on sunday hang out the fam bam because i'm past that five-day period if you would get covid from traveling so oh, nice. Um, I'm good there. So my mom's allowing me to come over, which is nice. So I'm going to go hang out with them. I really actually miss socializing with them and laughing. So I'll hang out at their pool. We'll, we'll make some food or we'll order something. So I'm really looking forward to that. What about you? Um, so um, I'm going to chill. And then Saturday, my, my daughter's in on the Central Coast with her cousins and family. And she comes back. Um, she comes back. I don't know when she comes back. Maybe like tomorrow or something. But I'm going to pick her up Saturday and I'm taking her to the Bay Area. My um, my niece and nephew, their daughter is having a birthday party. So we're going to make a little guest appearance there. Then I'm going to bring her back. She's going to hang out with her cousins up here. And then so that's really my whole weekend. Like that's that's it. Like I'm at that stage where if I have some family, I got to go visit or something. 
and I'm going to take my daughter there, and then that's it. Um, but I do have some stuff upcoming. I have, um, well, Elian's birthday is on August 15th, so we're going to probably do something then. But about a year and a half ago, I bought this. Uh, you know, you, you get offered those trips. Like, if you buy this trip for $100, yes. you can stay in Vegas three nights and four nights and three days for free or whatever. But you got to go to a time to your presentation. Yep, 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 yep. So I totally bought one like a year and a half. And I'm going um, the end of this month or something like that. Or we're going the end of this month. So at some Hilton. And I was like, well, how long is the presentation? And they were like, oh, it's just two hours. We'll show you some of the condos you can buy or whatever. And it's just two hours. And I was like, I'll do it. Because you know what I'm thinking, Jen? I don't listen to nobody for two hours. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> now I got two timeshares, though, in Mexico. So getting free shit. And then all of a sudden, next thing, I'm signing a contract for a timeshare. <laughs> I, I ain't spending money like that. Like, you can tell me. You look, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to ask a lot of questions because, you know, I don't mind being curious about stuff. And I'm going to say, yeah, this, I'm going to tell them it sounds good. I'm going to think about it. They will never hear from me again. <laughs> <laughs> and so you guys are doing that this month? Yeah, that's, um, this is August. So that's the end of this month. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I'm taking the girls, Leah and Zoe and Ellie, and we're going to Disneyland um, later this summer. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because the girls, you know, they're all um, online school. They could be anywhere and do their online school. And and they're seniors, so, you know, their schedules will be a breeze. Plus, Leah's already graduated, so it's just like a technicality at this point. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to go to Disneyland for a time. It, if Monkeypox doesn't, like, go berserk up. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, okay. Yeah, that, that Monkeypox thing. So, yeah, we got a, got a lot coming up. Well, that sounds fun. I'm glad you got, I'm glad you get to see Leon again and that, that it's not too long in between visits. So yeah, nothing too crazy. I think this has been a really great catch up for you and I, I know there, I, we talked about, I, you guys talked about Dolly Parton last week and I was thinking about Jolene and why she wrote that song and, you know, it made me listen to it while I was down there and it, it was a really good discussion around Dolly Parton because you don't hear anything negative about Dolly Parton. So Dolly is an icon. Like icon. A Right. She's like one of the great living Americans right now. Yes. Legend. Just super sweet. So it was good um, to get back on track with you. I enjoy these conversations because I learn a lot all the time. And hopefully our audience has some uh, that they gathered some insight as well. So, yeah. you know, tell Peg um, she should come on another week. I, you know what? I think I'm going to have her come on and maybe you guys can yeah. talk kids shit and all that stuff for yeah. a little bit. And um <laughs> Her skincare stuff, like, you know, Margaret is probably one of the best estheticians in this area. And uh, she's dynamite. She's dynamite. And anytime I refer somebody or she does somebody that I know, uh, they just rant and rave about her. So maybe yeah. she could have some good tips as we, you know, what, what that's a good point. Yeah, I would love that. Well, that's a good point. We could bring her on for her, um, her expertise. I mean, it is summertime. And, um, she is like the facial queen. I mean, I said it's, I, I need to go. Like, I haven't met her in a while. And I, I take pride in the fact that I was her first customer. I know, because she start, She left Verizon to go do that. That's right. Left, and I was, I'm going to support your business. And I was her first customer. And I think, I think at one point, I, I had like paid in advance for, 
I don't know, like 20 of these things or something. And I would just go every now and then just, you know, stay. And then I would like you, I would refer people to it. Everybody loves her. Like she's so good. She's so good. So yeah, we could probably have a little segment on with her and um, yeah, that's good. I'm thank you, sir, for catching up. I, you know, again, we're yeah. going to sum this up because we, we went shallow on a lot of topics. My main message is encourage people to vote yeah. wherever you live, whatever you're doing, get young people out there. You know, we had, I think it was 20 million people that turned 18 this, you know, over the past like couple months, like I'm, we just need to get out and vote. Let's change the, let's change the narrative. Um, as we, so we don't go the way that, you know, I, I don't want to go a certain way in this country, um, which makes uh, me want to leave, but, um, yeah. um so also talk, let me see, this is still August, but we need to have on our lineup. Um, are you doing your fantasy football this, this season? Oh yeah. The all girls league that we're doing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No boys allowed. <laughs> I love it. So okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll tee that up too. Um, yeah, so Eric, where can people find you? You can find me at Jen Van Lannen Veg and on Twitter, that's on Instagram and on Twitter, I am um, redheaded vegan, redhead vegan. And then on TikTok, I am big button a smile. <laughs> that was kind of an accident. I didn't realize that was going to be the name. But anyways, it's easy to remember. I love it. So I am, uh, my name, Myron J. Clifton on Twitter. Um, Check out my Amazon page. You see my books, my blogs, my uh, free digital monthly magazine. Subscribe to that. You get really good free content because I believe some art should be free. But I also believe that the art that I write and publish in my books, I, I price it reasonably so regular people can afford it. And I write really good, really, really good books. So thanks for joining us. Uh, rate our program, uh, like it, share it online, and tell your friends about us. Jim, it was good to talk to you. You too, sir. Love ya. Peace out. Peace out. Bye.